0: Good evening, everyone. And as always, welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. Having a little technical difficulty. Something happened with one of my drives, and it screwed up all of the file associations I had in OBS, but I think I've mostly got it figured out, so we got a lot to discuss today the vengeance of donald trump is one such subject also the crimes of the biden family which without the vengeance of donald trump i don't think we're gonna see get wrapped up in any meaningful way so if you guys wouldn't mind please do me a favor hit that like button Uh, We went to the mailbox today. I got a couple of new things to show off. Say thank you very much to the viewers who sent them. I got some letters. You guys are awesome. So whatever you do, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. If there is one thing that we can probably agree on, it's that electricity bills are rising at historic rates, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. You talk to enough people, and you're going to soon realize that pretty much everyone is shocked at the size of their power bills. And that's why tens of thousands of people are choosing to use this amazing little device— It's a small but sophisticated gadget that stabilizes the electrical currents in your home, reduces dirty electricity, and helps to protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help dramatically lower energy consumption and ultimately help to reduce your power bills month after month. Simply place your order right now and get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to DontWastePower.com. Once again, that's don'twastepower.com. You can find tons of testimonials from people like you that are already saving money. Click the link in the description below and order now at don'twastepower.com. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a sip off of my drink. Ah, Can you guys taste that? It tastes like liberal tears to me. They thought they could take down Donald Trump by arresting him, by getting him a mugshot, and then publishing it for the entire world to see, for everyone to witness the persecution of the one man who sought to save America, the one man with the money, the power, and the influence to do it. Because out here in the audience, there are many such men and women Who don't have the similar types of means, who don't have the same kind of reach, who all they can do is simply interact with the people that they love, the people in their lives, the people in their own local communities. And believe me when I say each and every one of you are just as important as Donald Trump is in Washington, D.C., because this is a collective effort, my friend, taking the collective effort of every single one of us. Nothing short of total attention to detail on this, the most pressing issue of the modern age. America will not be destroyed because there are so many men and women just like you out there who are working diligently every single day to make America great again, just as our wonderful president is as well. So thank you very, very much, you guys. I want to say, first of all, Thank you to Trisha out there in the audience on Rumble. Trisha, thank you for this Trumpinator bobblehead. This is going to go right back here next to my Rumble Award and my uh, uh, my Funko Pop, which came from the good young Andre. Thank you very much to Richard Dollar for sending me this portable Zoom podcast recording device. Appreciate that, buddy. I got to say thank you so much to Kitsko. Kitsko, your uh, sticker is going to be out in the mail Probably today, probably tomorrow. We'll see. For the other people who sent letters over the weekend, your stickers are going out at the exact same time. Thank you so much to Lewis, Lewis, who has sent me a $10 donation since I was on YouTube many, many, many years ago. Uh, And then finally, I got a letter that I wanted to read to you guys. Uh, This is coming from Angela. Angela, I hope you're watching. Thank you very much for the letter. This is so cool. This is just about my favorite... Thing When I get a letter from somebody and they really take the time to write something heartfelt in it. So she says, Dear Zach, since you love receiving written letters in the mail, I figured it was about time that I finally reach out. After listening to you most every day since you were this faceless mystery patriot man on YouTube, insert secret agent man theme song here. Your show on November 27th guided me to write on pen and paper, and the day I got to put a face to your name was exciting. I'm sure it made a lot of other listeners happy as well. Thank you for always bringing it to us straight, and if there's a correction, you always address it quickly. You're a talented reporter, a breath of fresh air. I hope someday to see your passion grow to get even more real news to we, the American people. Stand strong, Zach. You are the original red pill. Oh, and I am also a 78. From the rolling hills of Augusta and from one patriot to another, the deepest thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. That is a very sweet and heartfelt message. Also, I didn't – I don't think I showed this the other day, but this is from Freight Awakening. So Freight Awakening, big shout out to you out there, buddy. Uh, Also, thank you so much to Leanne63 for getting the gold pills started over at Pilled.net. So I just want to put uh, a little fair warning out there today. We are going to be discussing the subject of pedophilia in brief. And then we're also going to be talking about those sick sons of bees who got caught making a gay porno in the Senate building this weekend. So, you know, I've already maybe stepped over over my boundaries. But if you have children in the room, this is maybe not the the, the best segment to have them listen to because I am going to be putting these guys on blast. But before we get into the disgusting, disturbing things, I did want to go through some good news because I saw this story and I thought that, you know, for me, I see something like this and it's so obviously proof that God exists. So what we have here is a a situation that took place in Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee, a tornado ravaged through the area. And in that tornado, this four-month-old infant was sucked out of the home uh, taken up into the cyclone, and I'm sure that uh, the parents of this baby figured, "Oh my God, you know th- that's the last time I'm going to see my kid." I-, I don't know what I would do. I mean, obviously, I, I would be devastated. I would be destroyed. I-, I don't know that I could go on in my life. I mean, the the very thought of holding your baby as it's ripped out of your arms, whether it's by a person or some act of nature, it would just be too much to bear. But the good news is. This four-month-old infant was found alive and virtually unharmed after this tornado ripped through Clarksville. It it was in a a bassinet or or, or a a holder of some kind, and it was up in this tree. You can see it right here on screen. There is the baby after being found. He's got just what appears to be a, a small scratch on his face, and there he is hanging in the tree. So, The uh, parents of this child, the Moore family, uh, their mobile home was uh, completely destroyed. It was directly in the path of this tornado, which ripped through Clarksville on December 9th. It tore apart everything, dispersed all of their worldly possessions to every single direction. And this baby whose name is Lord, Lord Moore, uh, also his one-year-old brother Princeton, they, they were both at home with their parents, Sydney and her boyfriend, Aramis Youngblood. It's a hell of a name isn't <laughs> when the tornado hit. So Sydney, 22, recounted how the roof of their mobile home ripped off uh, as the tornado approached. And the tornado's forces were so strong that it lifted the bassinet with the baby inside – aramis youngblood the boyfriend he attempted to grab the bassinet as it was being sucked up through the open roof both he and the baby were thrown into the air and at the same time his mother sydney uh who was grabbing her older child uh, the uh, the brother of this young baby uh they ended up having the walls collapse in around them so for about 10 minutes after the tornado had ripped through the baby was missing. Uh, everybody was devastated. They, they figured the worst, obviously. I mean, you, a, a baby just doesn't get ripped out through the roof of your mobile home by a tornado and then suddenly wind up alive in a tree somewhere. But, I mean, that's the miracle of God. That's exactly what happened. So they began looking through the neighborhood. And miraculously, the baby was found alive. It was lying inside of this fallen tree, it just had the minor injuries that that cut on the side of his face face that you saw. Uh, they did need to glue it shut. So, you know, perhaps it was a little deeper than it appears. But the father suffered a broken arm and a shoulder during the entire ordeal and uh, he and uh, the mother described the survival of this baby as miraculous as i did an act of divine intervention and it was only by the grace of god that they found this child alive and for the most part unharmed but the the the, the continued tragedy despite that you know i mean at the end of the day all that matters is that everybody survived and and they all have their lives but they did lose everything they they absolutely lost every single possession that they had, so now they have a GoFundMe account, and they are attempting to rebuild their lives. Uh, you can find that GoFundMe by clicking on the link which is in this article and I know that you know it's Christmas, everybody is in a difficult position right now, but even if it's not you that donates, if you know someone who might be in a position just to you know help them out a little bit uh you know you are the only one who will know if this is a, a cause that you want to support. But I thought that I would go ahead and put it out there for them. So the, one of the cool things is that um, the, uh, the place that they were renting from has actually agreed to put them up in a hotel for a month uh, because they didn't have any insurance on their car, so that's a total loss. Uh, all of the, the diapers, the, the formula, all of their clothing, that's all gone. Uh, and uh, they, they do have some people there who are helping them out. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day the baby is fine and that is an incredible incredible thing because you just do not see it I, I, I saw this story initially and I thought oh my god there's no way that baby's alive and he is uh, it's it's a wonderful thing uh, thank you Filter Dog one who's dropped a can and said to the legend no you're the legend brother you're the legend and then thank you to Porpoiseful as well appreciate you hey what's up Vector good to see you buddy Here is another piece of good news. You know, throughout President Trump's term in office uh, and then even after, there have been a number of stories of people losing their jobs, losing their, their friendships, losing their status in life for one thing and one thing only because they openly supported Donald Trump. Their goal, the controllers, the new world order, the deep state, their goal is to make you so ashamed so ashamed to have your own opinions, to have your own ideas, to have your own ideological path. And they think that by shaming you into supporting Donald Trump, that you'll be able to walk away and and you just won't talk about it. And that way, when it comes up that, you know, Joe Biden stole the election, people won't have the courage to stand up and say something about it. Well, here we have a, uh, a young man by the name of Gary Formals. He's a former U.S. Navy chief. Uh, he is an Award of Excellence winner for his service to the United States. Uh, he is also a part-time uh, and volunteer uh, uh, um, ranger for the Washington State Parks and Recreation Commission. So – This is his truck right here. And on his truck, you can see uh, a whole bunch of pro-Trump bumper stickers. He's got a Trump 2020 bumper sticker. He's got a sticker that says he won, get over it. And then also a Trump 2024 bumper sticker. Now, he was ordered to remove these pro-Trump bumper stickers from his personal vehicle, not his work vehicle. And it was told to him that this is a condition of his continued volunteer service and his part-time employment with the park system. He said you they were they told him you need to remove those stickers because of the park's system's policy governing public contact and communication. Obviously, the public contact and communication Policy of the park is in opposition to the First Amendment of the United States, not to mention that your personal vehicle is your personal vehicle. I'll be damned if anybody tells me to take off my everybody knows Trump one bumper sticker. So, Gary, earlier this year, went to the ACLJ, filed a lawsuit against the Washington State Park System, uh, and on behalf of Gary, ACLJ went in and said uh, that that Gary believed that the park system was asking him to do something that was wrong, that violated his constitutional rights, and of course, he was correct. So, They noted in their lawsuit that the policy that was used against Gary was wildly overbroad, stating uh, that they should not express, display, broadcast, distribute, or otherwise communicate to the public any personal opinions, messages, or points of view while performing host duties, wearing the host vest, or while occupying the host site. And that includes the display of expressive items such as stickers, flags, signs, or clothing. Now, the one thing about it is given that it is Washington, what do you think would happen if Gary had had a BLM sticker on the back of his truck? What if he had had a Joe Biden 2020 sticker on the back of his truck. I still don't know if they've actually printed Biden 2024 stickers. I know I haven't seen any out in the wild. Well, the lawsuit requested that the court declare this policy both as written and applied to be unconstitutional, which it is. And they were asking for damages for Gary for the violation of his constitutional rights. And they needed to pay him lost wages resulting from his forced resignation from his part time position. The ACLJ ACLJ shared that the First Amendment does not allow government officials to censor the speech of their employees unless the speech negatively impacts the efficient administration of the workplace. Obviously, that was not the case here. Now, the park officials knew about the political bumper stickers for years, and they never did or said anything about them. It wasn't until a visitor came to the park, noticed the stickers, and then voiced her outrage just like a Karen to the park officials, and she described Gary as an insurrectionist And that the park decided to give Gary an ultimatum as a result of this characterization, your speech or your job. Well, fortunately, shortly after the ACLJ filed their lawsuit, the Washington State Park System agreed to work on changing the language of the policy and removing the problematic language. Uh, And obviously, I think this is a win for free speech across the board. Uh, This is a case that I I think can easily be used as precedent in uh, similar types of cases across the country. Uh, And I urge you to not allow people in authority – to shame you into being or doing whatever it is that you want to do as long as it doesn't harm other people. If you're not infringing on the constitutional rights of your fellow men and women, then there is not a damn thing about it that people can say. Um, Now, I think I saw a super chat from Andre. He says, good evening, Zach. How about the gay porn with the Senate? I guess you can say consider that a red pill Christmas gift for the Patriots. We're going to be talking about that in just a second. I wanted to get through uh, some uh, some news about President Trump, uh, a number of his court cases and uh, in a little bit more. All right, so good people of Michigan and, of course, the people of the United States of America, in case you didn't know, the Michigan Court of Appeals has ruled that President Trump can stay on the 2024 ballot. I know a lot of people were really worried about these uh, court challenges to get President Trump off the ballot. It's not going to happen. He's going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. He's going to be on all 50 ballots all across the United States of America. If for some reason he isn't on one ballot, it's not going to be enough To make it so that he can't become president again. So. mm. (sighs) So President Trump has just won the right to remain on the Michigan 2024 presidential ballot. This ruling follows a legal challenge that was brought by the same plaintiffs who were trying to do this in every other state uh, where they currently have a case. And it's all about the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. Of course, it does not apply to President Trump. That has been demonstrated on a number of different occasions. The 14th Amendment argues that plaintiffs present a political question that is non-justiciable at the present time. That's coming from the judge who noted in his ruling, Judge Redford also stated that under Michigan law, Democrat Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, George Soros protege, lacks the authority to interfere in an election primary if a political party opts to list a candidate who may not qualify for the office. The ultimate decision is made by the respective political party with the consent of the listed candidate. Now, Ron Fine is the attorney for the petitioners, and he's legal directory of free speech for people, and he expressed his intention to appeal the decision. Ron said, while our appeal is pending, the trial court's decision isn't binding on any other court, and we continue our current and planned legal actions in other states to enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment against Donald Trump. Gary Fine, or Ron Fine rather, this is a Hail Mary attempt. You're not going to be able to keep President Trump off the ballot, not only because the Insurrection Act does not apply to him. The 14th Amendment and Section 3 do not apply to him. President Trump has not committed insurrection. He is not accused of committing insurrection. The only thing linking President Trump to insurrection are the moronic left that continue to parrot the same line over and over and over again. There was no insurrection. There was no insurrection on January 6th. There was a demonstration. There was a riot. There was a police action that took place. And more importantly, there was a covert government action made up of undercover Antifa, FBI agents, confidential human sources, and of course, the D.C. police as well. Those groups right there that I just mentioned, they started a violent action on January 6th designed to screw President Trump and the American people at the end of the day. Well, here's the thing. We all saw it. We know exactly what you did, and it's turning around and it's going the other direction. And I'm sorry, but you're the one who's getting screwed right now. Not us, not President Trump. Those who have decided to go after President Trump will soon learn the justice for their actions that will be necessary. Buck Wayne says the porn being filmed in the Senate was actually a Biden campaign commercial illustrating Democrat plans for America. Wait a second. This isn't democracy. This is anal sex. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. All right, so a couple of those people who are, unfortunately for them, going to feel the wrath of President Trump, Uh, that's going to be New York Attorney General Letitia James and, of course, the corrupt judge overseeing the fake case against President Trump, Judge Arthur N. Gorin, uh, a pasty white mess who needs some lotion on his face and looks like he needs to stop taking naked pictures in front of the YMCA bathroom mirror. So anyways, Letitia James was caught on tape. She was admitting the illegal actions that she's engaged in to try to destroy President Trump. I mean, due process and fair trials are fundamental underpinnings of a functioning government, of a republic and even a democracy, even a democracy has those sorts of things. Every individual deserves to be considered innocent until proven guilty. It's not the other way around. Even though in America, our judicial system is oftentimes set up where a defendant comes in, they are automatically assumed guilty and they have to prove their innocence. We are meant to have a fair and impartial process where a defendant comes in. They are given the assumption of innocence and it's on the burden of the prosecutor To prove beyond a reasonable doubt their guilt for whatever they've been accused of. This prevents a hasty judgment from being cast upon a defendant and it protects people from unfounded accusations. But in this specific instance, President Trump has been denied these very things. Whether the accusation is that you cheated on your taxes or that you're a pedophile or that you're a bank robber just going for anything that comes to mind, the individual who is accused deserves the opportunity to present their side of the story and to challenge the evidence that's been presented against them. If they're guilty and the process works in the way that it's meant to, well, then they're going to find themselves on the other side of those jail bars. All of these things ensure that the relevant information, the actual claims against a defendant and the evidence to back it up, these are all considered before a decision is made. Well, that's obviously the opposite of what happened in President Trump's case, because in President Trump's case, it actually came out that he was decided guilty, found to be at fault. And then the whole show trial was all about how much money they're going to try to make him pay. Letitia James actually just put out a video where she admits to subverting this process. She admits her guilt in compromising President Trump's right to due process that her as attorney general of one of our 50 United States really ought to have a firm grasp on. This makes me question how in the hell Letitia James became attorney general of the state of New York. This is all coming after she had claimed that Judge Arthur and Gorin had found Trump guilty of significant fraud before the trial had even begun. It sounds like we're living in a mirror world that this sort of thing would happen in the United States of America. What's really unfortunate is that when this happened, all of us threw our hands up and said, well, of course. I expected nothing less. I expected nothing less than an unfair trial that was completely weighted against President Trump from the very beginning the $250 million bounty on President Trump and the total destruction of his business and and his personal life. I mean, this is what's at stake. This is why Letitia James is foaming at the mouth. They're losing so much money in terms of taxes from businesses, from people who are leaving the state of New York, all of the undue burden that's being put upon the state by the virtual terrorists and illegals that are coming to just set up shop and Times Square, Times Square is basically like a tent city at this point. Uh, San Francisco, (laughs) I don't know what's worse, San Francisco or, or New York. But the type of behavior that President Trump is accused of engaging in is the type of behavior that can ruin a business. And President Trump, of course, is very intelligent. He's always had the experts on his side. He's always done exactly what he needed to. He's always paid exactly whom he needed to so that they would make sure that something like this would never happen. And we've seen the testimony from people called by the prosecution, suggesting that he's done nothing wrong. The type of loans that he got were not illegal. The banks never lost any money. President Trump was a good bet. You knew that if you did business with him, he was going to come... And bring you money. So Letitia James seems to be just a little bit salty about what's happening. And she admitted in a recent video that uh, she and Arthur and Gorin colluded together uh, to essentially rob President Trump of his constitutional rights. Let's go ahead and listen. Actually, we need to watch NX. Sorry.
1: After 11 weeks in court, we rested our case against Donald Trump, the Trump Organization, and other defendants. We brought this case after our four-year investigation revealed that Donald Trump committed repeated and persistent fraud and unjustly enriched himself, his family, and his business. Before this trial even began, the judge ruled in our favor and found that Donald Trump did engage in years of significant financial fraud we uncovered. Throughout this trial, we revealed the full extent of that fraud. We introduced extensive evidence and questioned more than two dozen witnesses. We heard from Donald Trump and his family, his co-defendants, his current and former employees at the Trump Organization, his accountants and associates at a financial institution, loan underwriters, real estate professionals, and experts. And their testimony illustrated years of fraud and baseless valuations to inflate Donald Trump's net worth. And we showed that Donald Trump's financial statements we're used to get better loan terms, tax breaks, and a host of other economic benefits. Next month, we will return to court to present our closing argument. I'm confident in our case and that justice will prevail. No matter how powerful you think you are or how much money you think you have, everyone is equal under the law, even Donald Trump.
0: Now, it's actually unless 11- unless you're Donald Trump. Because anyone else would have been given the presumption of innocence. Letitia James opens that video in a very conspicuous way, admitting that there really wasn't a trial. This was a four-year investigation designed to destroy one man, his company, and the economic benefit that New York has received throughout the tenure of his time in that state. President Trump was a New York state of mind kind of guy. He loved living in New York. He grew up in New York. Think about all of the economic benefit that the city and state of New York received solely, solely due to the presence of that one man and his companies. It doesn't matter what you say, Letitia James. All we need to do is look at the actual testimony of the very witnesses that you presented Not one of those witnesses suggested that Donald Trump directed them to covert illegal acts or to say that they should commit fraud on his behalf or that anything was harmed in the conduct of his business. Not a person, not an entity, not a bank, not a business, nothing. There were no victims. There was no crime that was committed. This is, again, simply a show trial designed by you to siphon off as much money from President Trump as you possibly can. Now, I have zero confidence in Arthur and Gorin to choose the right verdict when they come back and lay out their closing statements. He's already decided President Trump is guilty. So this is a case that is going to go to appeal. I can only hope that President Trump isn't forced to spend more than the $250 million that they're trying to siphon off of him. But I'll tell you this the continued persecution of Donald Trump is going to lead to one thing and one thing only, and that is his reelection in 2024. Now, I got to say, the mainstream media has been freaking out recently. Suggesting that it's going to be a bloodbath if and when Donald Trump returns to the presidency in January of twenty twenty five. Now, I don't think he's going to do anything illegal. I don't think he's going to do anything wrong. But I think that Alina Haba laid it on the line when she said that if President Trump wins, his retaliation will be relentless, deep and hard. President Trump, when he returns, will take revenge on his enemies, not because he's specifically a vengeful person, but because vengeance is the only thing warranted when you look at the treatment this man has received. What it's truly about is justice. It's about returning balance to the force, balance to this great republic. And in order to do that, We have to undo the damage that's been done to President Trump and to America. And we have to inflict the necessary damage that is owed to the people who have destroyed both. President Trump's enemies are the enemies of the people. President Trump's enemies are the enemies of America. And that vengeance, that relentless payback, is exactly what they deserve. Now, what's interesting is, is that Alina Habba is not a member of the mainstream media. This isn't Morning Joe and Mika crying, uh, discussing how bad their lives are going to get if and when President Trump returns to the office of the presidency. No, this is Alina Habba speaking to the crowd at Amfest. She uh, she took the stage and uh, During her speech, she discussed all of the failings of the Biden regime. Of course, she defended President Trump. And she told the audience that the Presidential Records Act protected President Trump. But as we've said on this program, Joe Biden does not have the protection of the Presidential Records Act because the classified documents that he stole, that he took from a skiff, that he probably took from a number of different classified venues, he had no right to keep. Joe Biden, as vice president, did not have the same protections that a president would have. He had no right ever at any point to hold on to those classified documents. And the discovery of those classified documents are what led to the claims made against President Trump. This is why Joe Biden had to revoke President Trump's immunity because otherwise they never would have been able to brought the case. So Alina said, because he wasn't president when he took his boxes in six different locations, in Chinatown, in his car next to his son, who's doing God knows what with God knows who. But that is what they do. They hide what they've done by going after Trump. Projection. It's always a case of projection. Anytime you look at a claim that's been made against President Trump, just take a look at the person making the claim and try to figure out who actually committed the crime. It's pretty easy. She said, look at the shiny ball, everybody. Don't look at us. That's what it always is about. But the only thing is it's not working for them anymore. The American people have woken up. The American people know the score. The American people understand who the truly guilty parties are. The Presidential Records Act was established to structure how presidents manage and store official documents because they are the executive. They, by very nature of their job, have access to classified, sensitive information, a lot of it. And Haba has entertained the idea of being appointed to a position in the Trump administration to do what you might ask? To investigate President Trump's prosecutions. She said that's what they do. They hide what they've done by going after Trump. And they've got one year and then we're going to be looking at them deep and hard. I'll tell you right now, if I'm in Washington, I'll be relentless too. I got to say that it gets my juices flowing. The idea that President Trump on day one is going to have a, 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 a guard dog like Alina Haba to go after these people. That's exactly what needs to be done. Every single one of these deep state swamp rats is quaking in their boots at the very thought that their justice is going to be coming, that their vengeance is going to be flipped around on its head and it will become the vengeance of President Trump. Well, you know what they say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But Donald Trump is the Lord's instrument and he's going to come through with that big fiery sword and just slice right through those enemies. At the same time, he's slicing through The federal budget, getting rid of more than 50 percent of the various federal agencies that do nothing more than soak up tax revenue and keep us, our children, our grandchildren perpetually in debt. Okay, you guys, we've got to take a break for the second half of the show. I need to say thank you to uh, Mike for my free chat, who says uh, great show, uh, great insight. Well, thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate it. We're going to be right back in just a moment. Stick around. I'll see you on the other side. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been manufacturing this Nobel Prize-winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas, Patriot-owned lab. ESS-60 is the upgraded version of the carbon-60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, I see a bit of conversation in the chat about uh, the blacklist. Um, I've heard that the blacklist is really good. I I, I tend to not watch TV shows from like uh, like the, the the old cable networks like like CBS, ABC, NBC. I just I, I find that they're not um, they don't go deep enough. I'll tell you what, if you want to watch a show that is a a real insight into the way the world works. You need to watch Rubicon. It was on AMC like 14, 15 years ago. And at the time that it came out, I was blown away because I was like, this is exactly what's happening behind the scenes. Like the espionage, the deep state before we even had a name for it, it was just the new world order at that time. You you guys should watch it. And then I'd like to actually talk about it. Maybe I can, maybe Brad and I will watch it and we'll talk about it, but it's a great show. It was only on for one season. I think because it, it was too much truth. All right. So before we talk about what happened in the Senate, it turns out that not only did the January 6th commission. Oops. Hold on. I'm taking my shoes off because it's getting a little warm in here. Not only did the January 6th commission lose evidence, but it turns out that they were actually colluding with Jack Smith and Fannie Willis. Does it surprise you that the J6 commission was part of the plot to destroy President Trump? Well, it sure doesn't surprise me. Not only that, but they also kept that exact same evidence from Republicans in the House. Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, the committee leaders from the January 6th committee, gave evidence that they were able to gather up. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know. If it's uh, if it's legit or not, but they gave it to special counsel Jack Smith and they also gave it to Fannie Willis, the district attorney from Fulton County. They kept it hidden from House Republicans. That's certainly a no, no. That's not what you're supposed to do. We just uh, found a letter to Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Uh, It was written by Benny Thompson and he admitted that rather than turning over all of this evidence to House Republicans, some of the files were going to be sent to Jack Smith, some were going to get sent to A.G. Merrick Garland, and some of them were going to get sent to Fannie Willis. I'm going to go on record and say I do not think Merrick Garland is a good guy. I know there are people out there who are uh, speculating that maybe Merrick Garland is on our side. I don't think so, okay? Uh, there's a reason Merrick Garland didn't make it to the Supreme Court, there's a reason Barack Obama. Put him up to be on the Supreme Court. I don't think we can trust Merrick Garland at all. And every single thing he's done since coming into office, uh, I don't think that he's helped us in in one bit. And I just do not believe that what he's doing is setting it up for President Trump uh, to uh, to 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 have an easier time when he gets into office. I could be totally wrong. I'm gonna be honest. All right, I just don't trust Merrick Garland. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that it's um, even if it's just about appearances. Uh, The appearance of Merrick Garland working behind the scenes to collude with Joe Biden and the deep state to take down Donald Trump. I mean, heck, I'll take that, okay? Because people need to see that. People need to understand how corrupt the Department of Justice is and how corrupt this entire deep state apparatus is. So, uh, in this letter, Clause 2 of Rule 9 of the Rules of the House of Representatives requires committee records to be kept separate and distinct. from the records of the Congressional Office of the member serving as the chair of the committee. So I am unable to provide the select committee records your letter requests. It is my understanding that all archived records of the bipartisan select committee have been transferred to the Committee of House Administration, pursuant to Section 3Y of the House Resolution 5 from the 118th Congress. Benny wrote this on December 13th, uh, just, uh, what, five, six days ago. Uh, And we have the letter right here. Now, this is coming as a result of uh, the chairman Jim Jordan and Representative Loudermilk launching an inquiry into Fannie Willis, as well as her collusion with the January 6th committee. So uh, this is coming from the House Republicans who are requesting the information. They said this new information raises additional questions Relevant to the committee's oversight of Willis's politically motivated prosecution of a former president of the United States and several former senior federal officials, the partisan January 6th select committee had a troubling track record of procedural abuses and due process violations. It only solicited evidence from a select set of relevant individuals. It ignored exculpatory evidence and did not pursue witnesses with evidence that would not advance their partisan narrative. They fabricated and publicly released doctored evidence. They cherry picked selective information to create false and misleading public narratives. And to the extent that Willis's politically motivated prosecutions are now relying in any way on records obtained by this partisan January 6th select committee, it only reinforces concerns about her and Chairman Thompson's commitment to due process. And whether they have fulfilled their obligations to properly disclose this material, I'd say we know the answer to that already. The answer is no, they have not followed the procedures. They have not properly declared or presented this evidence. And yes, they colluded in secret behind the scenes because they have something in common. They hate Donald Trump more than anything else in the world. And even more than that, they're afraid of what Donald Trump returning to the White House could mean. And once again, that, my friends, will be justice, justice in the form of vengeance. So in this instance, we had a coordination between Fulton County, uh, Fannie Willis, uh, January Sixth Committee itself, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, all of these people working together in secret, in concert to destroy President Trump. And it is not working. It's not working. He is more popular than ever. And more and more people are stepping forward to talk about what happened in 2020. I bring you once more Mac Warner. He is the secretary of state for the West Virginia, and he's running for governor. He's the one who said that the 2020 election was stolen by the CIA. This is a based take right here, my friends. Now. Uh, In a a recent broadcast on Gateways Behind the Headlines, this is on a new network called Vigilant News Network, Uh, Mac Warner uh, was speaking about why he feels the election of 2020 was stolen uh, by the CIA. Uh, Warner is referring, of course, to the testimony of Mike Morrill. We talked about that, the coordination between Morrill, the CIA, and all of these intelligence agents who wrote the letter saying that Hunter Biden's laptop had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Uh, Well, uh, that conversation about Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, it occurred uh, just a few days before the release of that laptop uh, and the statement from those 51 former intelligence officials. Mike Morrell testified under oath that yes, he colluded with Anthony Blinken. Uh, Now, former CIA agent John Kirikou uh, offered a slightly different perspective. Uh, He stated that the retired status of the CIA officers mentioned should preclude them from having operational influence at the agency. Of course, it should. But we all know that it wouldn't because once you're a company man, you're always a company man. Does anybody here honestly believe that any of those CIA agents that are now sitting in Congress are not still actively working with the CIA? Uh, And in response to those comments, Warner suggested that the use of names like Clapper, Brennan, Hayden and Panetta uh, people who used to hold high-level positions of influence and authority in the intelligence community, of course, it would influence public perception given the association the public has with those people and the intelligence community. It doesn't matter that they're retired at this point. I mean those people were running the CIA. They were running other intelligence community uh, operations. So Warner questioned the response or lack thereof from active CIA and FBI operatives during the time he insinuated that they were complicit in what he described as suppressive actions by big tech companies. I think that's the only way you can put it. Once again, I was deleted October 15th, 2020, just like 48 hours after the Hunter Biden laptop came out, multiple videos gangbusters. People were looking for information about it and we were doing our best to expose it. I got deleted. A ton of other people got deleted. Make no mistake, it happened before the 2020 election because as that information was coming out, they had to suppress people like myself and others that were going to talk about that information, and the only people they wanted the American public to see or hear were those 51 or so intelligence agents, retired or otherwise, who made up a psychological operation that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. So uh, in his full statement, he said, when you use the names of Clapper, Brennan, Hayden and Panetta, I mean, those are synonymous with the CIA and these 300 agencies. So if they wanted to quibble over something like that, that they were former. Yes, they were former. Mike Morrell was a former acting director of the CIA. But why did Anthony Blinken, who was acting on Joe Biden's campaign, go to them? I think that's an obvious answer for the very reason that they had been to the CIA. He knew that this was going to be used as the credibility of the CIA was on the line. So where do I want to go with this? Why did the CIA, the active officers remain so quiet about this? Because they're all dirty, you guys, because they're all dirty. Why did the FBI remain quiet about it? Because they're dirty. They covered it up, both agencies. Why did those agencies go to big tech? to silence and basically quell the free speech of American citizens. They took Trump off of Twitter. They took you off of Twitter. They took us off of YouTube. They went to Zuckerberg at Facebook. They went to Jack at Twitter. Uh, they acknowledged that uh, this was happening, but they couldn't do it to us directly directly. The reason these intelligence agencies – and this is me talking now, not Mac Warner. The reason these intelligence agencies and these arms of the federal government, the federal deep state apparatus, went to private industry, Zuckerberg at Facebook, Jack at Twitter, and any other number of social media companies is because – It was legal for them to suppress us. It was legal for them to shut down our First Amendment rights. It wasn't legal for the government to do it. This is why they always had that layer of separation. The government and these spy agencies, investigative agencies, they would give directives to non-governmental organizations who would then take that directive and go to the social media companies. And then once at the social media companies, the social media companies were working on the behest of these non-governmental organizations, which, of course, were working on behalf of the government. They knew exactly what they were up to, Warner continued. They got away with it. And this is fundamentally putting American democracy at risk, the entire republic. And that's why we need to speak about it. I'm so glad that Jim Jordan is doing the job that he's doing there with the House Judiciary Committee and covering all of this. Uh, so I think it's quite clear We all know exactly what happened and the only way that we're going to get the justice that we deserve is for a total transformation of the United States government, of the federal bureaucracy, a reduction, if not a deletion, a removal of that deep state bureaucratic apparatus. President Trump must come back into office and he must go deep and hard to remove the rot, the cancer from the center of our republic. Now, if only these Democrat if only these Democrat aides on the Senate chamber's floor had been as interested in fixing our republic as they were in being fixated on each other's rear ends. Now, what's really interesting, this gay sex scandal in the Capitol, it's proven a couple of things to the American people. Uh, Number one, not just that they are total hypocrites, but that at the end of the day, there is nothing sacred to them. And you think about you think about what they said about people on January 6th and and actually specifically Senator Cardin. He's the Democrat. He is the one who was previously employing one of these gay men in this pornographic film that was produced inside the Senate chambers. So Senator Ben Cardin is from Maryland. Uh, He actually had to fire that young man uh, who had been identified as uh, being on the receiving end of that um, that pornographic uh, uh, display that took place recorded in the Senate hearing room and then reported by the Daily Caller. Uh, Cardin is also a guy who one time went to the Senate floor to describe the U.S. Capitol as a sacred space sacred space. This is, of course, after January 6th. But man, he's not really saying much of anything anymore. Uh, there was a video that was posted to X uh, by uh, Colin Rugg. He's a conservative social media activist. In that video, Cardin is shown in a video from January of 2021 discussing the riot that took place at the Capitol. Uh, and then he also makes this allusion, comparing it to Pearl Harbor in 1941. And of course, the terror attacks of 9/11. We're going to go ahead and listen to the hypocrisy on display from Senator Cardin because if he thinks that the House building and the Senate building are that sacred, um, you know what does he think now that his former aide was caught having gay sex on the table where they were previously just signing bills? Uh, they were debating legislation. Need I remind you that this is the future that Democrats want for America. They want a world where it's perfectly permissible to make OnlyFans content on this large oak table that senators sit at every single day discussing the sanctity of our democracy. Let's take a listen here. Like December the 7th and September the 11th is a date which will live in infamy. I refer to U.S. Capitol as sacred space because it's so much more than a building where the Senate and the House of Representatives meet and conduct business. It is the embodiment of our ideals, our aspirations and hope, not just to Americans, but also to all of humanity. So the embodiment of the Democrats' morals and ethics, I guess, is getting rammed by your good buddy from your fraternity, I guess, uh, in the Senate chambers. Um, okay. Well, that, that, that clocks, I mean, that lines up with everything I know about the Democrats. Um, it's the embodiment of our ideals, our aspirations and our hopes. I mean, obviously they want a world once again, where it's like totally cool to make only fans content with your, uh, your, your, your lunch buddy, uh, right there in the uh, Senate building. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that Senator Cardin should resign? I mean, because I don't think he's come out and really said anything overt about this guy. I think he just fired him. Um, who was that kid? Well, he was a 24-year-old man. He's now a former legislative aide, previously working in Cardin's office. His name is Aiden Maze Zoropsky. I don't know why he has a hyphenated last name, but. Aiden Mace Zorowski is no longer employed by the U.S. Senate. We will have no further comment on this personnel matter. It's also a personal matter. But here's the thing. It stopped being a personal matter when these guys published their video online for the world to see. Uh, and so he continues on saying that uh, – well, no, I'm sorry. Just no, no further comment. That's all he said. <laughs> so he's currently the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, he announced in May he's not going to be running again. So I suppose maybe, mm, maybe, maybe they thought it was like not going to be a big deal because he wasn't going to need to run a reelection. He's been in the Senate since 2007, uh, and for 20 years before that, he has apparently had his fill of this sacred space. He also served in the House uh, and. uh People are just beating him up on, uh, on Twitter, much in the same way his aide was getting beat up in that Senate room, uh, making a gay porn movie. Uh, so <laughs> there's just really no other way to report on this. Anyways, here is the guy who was fired for having uh, anal sex in the Senate room. He was also wearing a G-string jockstrap. Now, he, any normal person would look at this and say, well, of course he got fired. I mean, he made a gay porno in the Senate. Like, what did you expect, brah? I mean, even if it was a, 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 a non-homosexual sex act, like if anybody posted a video like this, I think you would immediately expect to lose your job, uh, to have your reputation ruined and probably to never work in government again. Now, Aiden is likely to work at, I don't know, Media Matters or something like that. There's plenty of people like that there. He'll be in good company. Uh, but I sincerely doubt he's going to be working in the federal government in any capacity. He's going to have a difficult time passing a uh, a background check at any point in the future. Um, I mean, it's a it's a shock. It's a shock to the nation. It's a shock to the system. Uh, but for the people who have been paying attention, you know, I think a lot of us were like, "Of course, right?" I mean, is there anybody here who was like super uh, surprised that? A Senate aide would make a gay porno inside the Senate. I mean, this was par for the course. If this was on your bingo card, give me a one in the chat. I was not shocked by it. I mean, it's a shocking act, but these these people are Democrats anyways. And you take a look at the other stuff they've been pushing uh, this the, during Joe Biden's time in office, and it, it's just right on there. I mean, what do we, we got cocaine in the White House? We had a, um, a trans woman, so a man with uh, fake breasts exposing them on the lawn of the white house. We've got uh gay porno being made in the Senate. Um, I don't know what else, what else uh, was there? I mean, there's gotta be other things that I'm, that I'm missing here, but Aiden, despite the fact that again, this is an act that I think anybody would expect to get fired for. Uh, he is blaming homophobia, even though his boss, who's a Democrat is the one who fired him. Uh, now, he also plans to pursue what he calls defamatory allegations and politically motivated attacks on his career. Really? What are you going to fire some? I mean, what are you going to sue somebody for? For, for commenting on your video that you made and published on the Internet? Andre says, "Salty Cracker said we had a problem with it when the president was getting a BJ in the Oval Office. We shouldn't defend this. Um, no, no, of course they shouldn't. Yes, we had a problem when Bill Clinton was getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. Uh, this is this is much the same thing, except you know, the uh, that that was what twenty years ago, something like that. Have they learned nothing? Anyways, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat." Think about how many uh, sexual, some how many real sexual uh, uh, kerfuffles like this have happened. You know, there's a lot worse that's happening in Congress. This is low hanging fruit at the end of the day. Um, so, here, oh, this is a statement from Aiden. This has been a difficult time for me as I have been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda. Well, some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment. (laughs) you stupid. I love my job. I would never disrespect my workplace. Oh, my God. What do you think he would define as disrespecting his workplace? Like, really? Like, what would you have to do, Aiden, to disrespect your workplace? I'd say this is pretty disrespectful. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated, and I will be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. There are no legal options available to you in these matters. What you did was presented publicly, and everybody knows what happened. I would say that you likely defiled a sacred space. <laughs> you defiled your workplace. I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys. Years ago, I fired a kid for having sex in the work bathroom. Uh, You know, he was an adult, but I mean, you know, he was he was still younger than me. Anyways, I fired him for it. Like I knew exactly what had happened. I'm not even going to tell you exactly how I knew, but it was so obvious. And I was like, hand me your keys. You're done. You can't do that. So, you know, and I didn't and he didn't have sex with a guy. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. Uh, Fixed Bayonet says Aiden isn't the only person who needs to be fired. Who else was in that room with him? Oh, actually, we found out who that guy is. He's not he doesn't work in the Senate, though. Uh, He is some other NGO employee who's also a D.C. uh, I don't know, a a member of the D.C. elite clique. So uh, anyways, hang on. Where is let me see if I can pull it up, guys. Um, I might have shared it. Laura Loomer had posted it. Let me see. But oh, my gosh. Also, Craig Rydell, the guy who trashed President Trump on that call with Alan Jacoby, the podcaster from New York. He got Alan's account deleted because he said that Alan was hitting him with targeted harassment, more like targeted journalism. Craig, don't be don't be a wimp. Okay, like, you know, own up to what you did. You you trashed President Trump. You trashed the America First movement and nobody should be voting for you. Hold on just a sec. Let me find this. Oh, look at that. Jr. also got endorsed by Rick Grinnell, somebody who would never have sex on camera in the Senate office building. It's not about being gay. It's about the action itself. Okay, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm back to like last week. Hold on. I I actually sent it to to Gaffer. Uh, Here we go. All right, so this guy was George Gogger. George Gogger is his name. We got a, we got pictures and everything. We're going to name him and shame him. Here we go. Okay, coming from Laura Loomer. Oh, look, there's Senator Carden, too. George Gogger is a current student at Elliott School of International Affairs, which is right down the street from the Senate. He must have hopped over on his lunch. George Gogger also works for the German government. He's Is he a German citizen? In a screenshot from Aiden's Instagram the day he filmed the sex tape, he tagged George on Instagram in the picture below where he's seen naked in the Senate building. The text on Aiden's photo says he took George's Thick German sausage and a Jaeger sauce finish. He actually wrote that on Instagram. This is a reference to George, who is German, penetrating Aiden anally from behind. Since I identified Aiden yesterday as the Senate staffer who was getting railed inside the Senate building following Henry Rogers, D.C. original report on the video, Aiden has been fired and George has deactivated his Instagram account. He's on the run. Oh, God. In this very room. Sonia Sotomayor had her confirmation hearing. James Comey testified on Russian interference in the 2016 election. And Aiden got some thick German sausage and a Jaeger sauce finish. I thought this was a meme the first time I saw it. But this is actually what this dude posted bragging about the actions he and George took. Here is George right there. Uh, George is studying international affairs. He's currently on leave to complete a professional year at a federal ministry for the German government. Before studying at the Hertie School, he studied politics and law at the European University Viadrina in Frankfurt, and he is a Friedrich Ebert fellow. I wonder if he's going to lose that fellowship. Here he is standing with perhaps uh, other German government employees. His Instagram account was at George uh, W.I.E., potato enthusiast, fried potato enthusiast in D.C. and Berlin. So anyways, he may or may not be fired from the German government. I don't know. I hope he does. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. So. Uh, Good news also is that not only is Aiden fired, but he's also under investigation and he might be facing criminal charges for the filming of this gay sex tape inside the Senate building. Uh, So, hang on. I just want to jump to that part because we already know everything else. (laughs) His statement. This has been a difficult time for me. Everybody always says that. Everybody always acts like, oh, you know, I'm being attacked. Why am I being attacked? Well, because you filmed a porno inside the Senate. You posted it to your Instagram, you moron. Oh, gosh. Okay, so the Capitol Police are actively looking into the incident. Uh, This is, of course, a venerated location inside the Senate hearing room where Supreme Court justices undergo confirmation hearings. I hope they disinfect those tables. Sources close to the investigation have indicated that charges are under consideration. They could range from trespassing to obscenity violations. Throw the book at him. Give him all of it. He was willing to take it on the table. Give him all the charges you can. Buck Wayne says they were illustrating Ukrainian fundraising efforts. Yes, they were. All right. So Mike Collins said to the video, heck of a week for the left. Gay porn in the Senate, swearing in ceremony on child porn in Virginia, tranny trap dancers in the White House and satanic statues in Iowa. What else am I missing? The list goes on and on. Now, listen to this. This is a disgusting response to what these guys did in the Senate. Uh, This is from a Democrat uh, Capitol Hill staffer. Uh, Okay, so his name, well, he's a press secretary for Representative Jared Moskowitz, who's a Democrat down here in Florida. He liked a post that mocked the death of Ashley Babbitt while celebrating the actions of this porno being shot inside the uh, Senate hearing room. Um, So the here's the post right here. It said it's got a picture of uh, the shaman uh, in the Senate office building or in one of the Senate hearing rooms and then uh, uh, still taken from the video. And it says, which desecration was worse? And this guy says, at least he can take back shots, unlike Ashley Babbitt. He's a real son of a bitch, if you ask me. The man's name is uh, Nagy, Reith Nagy. He's the one who liked it. Uh, Yep, he's got the same picture on um, LinkedIn as he does on Twitter. Here he is with the congressman from Florida, uh, and of course, Representative Moskowitz—he's been a big loudmouth about January sixth. He claimed that President Trump would sell his late ex-wife Ivanka Trump's tombstone as a money grab. He's a real piece of work, too. Uh, and then the guy who shared this post and made that statement—it's at underscore s n underscore n. Do not direct any hatred at these people, but feel free to uh, comment on the disgusting nature of their posts. Now, what's really interesting is that in the wake of all this, um, Congress seems to have forgotten a man they just discarded, Mr. George Santos, former Representative George Santos. He was getting into it on Twitter about this whole gay porn saga, uh, and he seemed to indicate that there are secret sex cages inside the House office buildings which might lead one to believe that perhaps these sorts of actions and uh, events are not all that uncommon taking place inside whether the House or the Senate. This was a response to uh, a business insider reporter. George Santos made a very specific statement. He said, you seem too confident here. Should we be looking for some videos of you in cages? And then he continued You know that what happens in the cages doesn't stay there, right? So and then in response to Santos's comments, uh, this man for Business Insider responded, huh? And then George later shared that he was told that the cages are storage rooms at the house office buildings. However, Santos isn't the first person to suggest that there are sex cages in the house or in, in, in any of these buildings on the Hill. Uh, Semaphore reported three sources that have shared that they heard rumors of shenanigans occurring inside the office storage area, too. Um, Semaphore said too many lack self-respect and respect for the institution they serve. Uh, A disappointed representative, Don Bacon, told Semaphore. "Uh, The House shouldn't be too smug watching the scandal unfold, though. Three sources told Semaphore they'd heard rumors of shenanigans in the members' cages Office storage areas apparently favored by the more discreet. All in all, it's fitting end to the year for the 118th Congress where the once shocking is increasingly routine. Here is the – what are the cages, Metzger said. I've been informed there are storage spaces in the House office building. Anyways, here's George Santos. You seem confident. You seem too confident. He forgot the O. Uh, Should we be looking for some videos of you in cages? You know what happens in the cages doesn't stay there, right? I wonder how many journalists have gone down to these sex cages and given favors to members of the House or the Senate uh, in exchange for some sort of information or perhaps a story, maybe a tip. I'm instantly reminded of House of Cards. That was the first season of House of Cards involved a young up-and-coming journalist who was willing to have an affair with Frank Underwood, um, somebody who was in government. I want to say he was uh, – was he a senator or was he a congressman? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He was, where he was in government. He was elected official. And he slept with this girl. He had her plant stories for him and then he killed her. Keep an eye out for this business insider journalist to get pushed in front of a, a train in D.C. <clears throat> Anyways, I'd like to wrap up today's section dealing with sick people either in government or outside of government. You might remember these dudes. I'm not going to call them gentlemen that I reported on some months ago. These are the – this is the gay couple down in Georgia uh, who were running – Um. I don't even know what to call it. They were they were adopting foster kids and then they were pimping them out basically and producing uh, child pornography. Well, uh, William Dale Zulock and Zachary Jacoby Zulak, they are a married gay couple who got arrested last year by authorities down in Georgia because they were tipped off that these two were using their adopted underaged sons for the production of pornography and even allowing pedophiles to rape their children for money. So they got arrested. Uh, They immediately lost their jobs. They lost their positions. They, of course, lost custody of their kids. And they've been in jail ever since. Now, uh, there hasn't been a lot of news that broke on it, mostly because uh, they couldn't afford lawyers uh, expensive enough to get them out of out of prison. Um, I don't even know that bail was actually set because the crimes were so heinous. But um, Mia Cathell has been reporting on the story for Town Hall, and she reported that all of their assets, including their home, uh, was liquidated by Walton County in Georgia. There was actually an estate sale. Uh, she attended the estate sale. And she claims that uh, she was told by agents that were running the sale uh, that she should not be reporting on the story. Really, ma'am, we're going to have to ask you to leave. We're going to have to ask you to delete your footage, all of it. Uh, That's very inappropriate for you to be talking to people about this. This is a very sad situation and there's no reason. No reason we're going to need you to delete it. Everything. Well, sounds like she didn't actually delete it. But she said I was cornered in one of the children's bedrooms, accosted adjacent to the walk in closet where a pile of the boy's underwear was for sale. Ugh, hanging overhead where the same doll like suits, the biological brothers, the five and six year old, wore within the judges chambers years ago on gotcha day when Georgia's courts expeditiously made the family official in the adoption final. The boy's bed, also an item available for purchase, was covered in a sickening shade of dark red, perhaps purplish satin that's far too mature for a kid's bedspread. Nearby diapers were displayed on the connecting Jack and Jill bathroom countertop. Um, She also details uh, the sale about the house itself. Formerly the fleeting home of self-described partners in crime, William and Zachary Zulock, the custom-built house has hit the market for an imposing $729,000, albeit recently reduced. Still, it's hefty given its history. State law notably does not require sellers to disclose, disclose whether or not crimes even of a violent nature were ever committed on site only to uh, – if they are asked outright. And that includes murder, meth labs that are headquartered in a home uh, and, of course, rape. Uh, Nor are they compelled to divulge if they are any registered child sex offenders who are living nearby. In Georgia, it's a buyer beware state. Uh, If there is a uh, voluntary disclosure of an emotionally upsetting event that could have a psychological impact on the property, then they don't want to openly talk about it. They don't want to stigmatize the property. But, you know, at the end of the day, every single aspect of this story is Disturbing in the extreme. And considering the laws in Georgia, I have to believe that the county doesn't want anyone reporting on this because they want to sell the home, they want to sell all the possessions, and they want to. Claim that money essentially for the county. Uh, And if people are aware that there was a rape factory inside this house, that these guys had adopted children for the express purposes of uh, selling them to pedophiles and producing child pornography, who in their right mind would want to live there? Burn that mother effort down. Nobody should ever live in that house again. That house is going to have bad energy for the rest of time. I hope God smites that house, and I hope that nobody ever chooses to live there voluntarily. I I, I lied. I guess we have one more story about sick people doing sick things. There's been an interesting uptick in the conversation around Jeffrey Epstein's close associates very recently, and to coincide with that, we have a rarely seen photograph of Bill Gates who was pictured with one of Jeffrey Epstein's accusers. It's popped up in a report that has uh, highlighted Jeffrey Epstein's continued manipulations, his um, trafficking of women and children, even after his 2008 conviction. Here is Bill Gates looking rather happy. I wonder if he just uh, came from a happy ending massage performed by a young girl. Uh, This picture uh, was published by The Wall Street Journal. And the journal, ironically enough, has unearthed some disturbing details about Jeffrey Epstein's continued exploitation of women and children. These details, of course, were already publicly known. I'm certain we have talked about them ad nauseum ever since the beginning of time. But the Wall Street Journal is obviously late to the party. He when arrested in 2019 was still actively involved in the abuse of women and children. Uh, Contrary to the belief they claim of many of his high profile associates, Epstein's predatory behavior did not cease following his 2008 conviction. Does anybody here like honestly, realistically believe that Jeffrey Epstein or that anybody that knew Jeffrey Epstein believed that he would suddenly stop molesting girls After he was arrested in 2008, I mean, it's quite clear. I think anybody who was paying attention recognizes that Jeffrey Epstein was a very special kind of rich pedophile. That man was making his money somewhere and he was making his money blackmailing those rich and powerful people that Jeffrey Epstein hung out with that visited his island, that flew on his plane regularly, that visited him at his baby breeding camp out in New Mexico at Zorro Ranch. Everybody knew what this guy was doing. It was not a quiet thing. Everyone that hung out with Jeffrey Epstein was aware of the sick behavior that he was involved in. And I have to believe that they hung out with him because of it. It wasn't an isolated incident. He didn't just suddenly become rehabilitated after pleading guilty to pandering a 14 year old girl back in 2008 or 2009. So Epstein and his vast network of influential connections would promise numerous women career opportunities whether it was a role in a Woody Allen film or perhaps a position at the United Nations or maybe a lucrative modeling contract at Victoria's Secret. Uh, One of these women uh, included a Polish model who got lured into Epstein's web of lies back in 2014. He gave her promises of career advancement, which included a position at the Gates Foundation. So, This brand-new released image shows Bill Gates in a rather casual pose alongside this young Polish model who is an accuser of Jeffrey Epstein – This was taken at Bill Gates's office in Seattle in March of 2014. So the model's identity has been concealed in the photograph, Uh, met with Epstein prior to the snapshot being taken, and then was rapidly entangled in a series of promises concerning career advancement through his powerful connections. I'm sure that he just kept telling her, well, you just need to do this for me. You just need to do this for me. You just need to help me compromise Bill Gates just a little bit more so I can make sure I get that check that he promised me. Uh, This is obviously the way that Jeffrey Epstein made his money. He would compromise rich and powerful people. Once those people were compromised, they would have to buy into whatever it is that Jeffrey Epstein wanted them to do. Now, she hung out with him for about eight months. And during this time, she encountered this web of deception and deceit. She was taken to academic conferences. She was, of course, taken to his private island. She also was photographed with people like Woody Allen, also former president, uh, excuse me, former prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak. Now, both of them have denied any knowledge of Jeffrey Epstein's activities, although it's rumored They both participated. Now, underneath all of the promises of the positions or wealth and opportunity, Jeffrey Epstein, of course, his true nature could not stay hidden for long. He sexually exploited this woman. He pressured her to alter her lifestyle. Eventually, he suggested that she become a mistress for one of his friends. And, of course, she said, you know what, that's just a bridge too far. So she attempted to sever ties with him, and, of course, he threatened to destroy her if she left him. Uh, And this is not the only time that Jeffrey Epstein ever did this. The stories of Jeffrey Epstein's manipulation of young, beautiful women continue unabated. It's happened for years and years. Eventually, Jeffrey Epstein either has you in his clutches uh, and he continues to use you or he discarded you like a useless piece of... Of trash. And if you were a child, God forbid, you might not ever come home or be seen ever again. Now, this woman entered into Jeffrey Epstein's orbit uh, because she was introduced to him by a man named Ramsey Elcoli who presented himself as a modeling scout with connections to Harvard University. This is one of those uh, modus operandi's that uh, Jeffrey Epstein and his network of, um, uh, of women traffickers would use. They would solicit women to be models, and then he would introduce them, whoever it was, whether it's the, uh, the Frenchman or this guy, Ramsey, and then they would introduce them to Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein had the money. He had the plane. He had the island. He would wine and dine them, and then he would get them into a position where they felt like they had to do what he wanted. Otherwise, they weren't going to get what they wanted. Very, very, very sad. Uh, I, I, I feel like this picture has got to be out there in an in, uh, unaltered form. Bill Gates, Epstein, Polish model. I feel like I've seen this before. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not his former wife. Well... I don't know that she's ever been publicly revealed before, but I feel like I've seen that picture. Here he is with uh, another young woman. Bill Gates has a penchant for young women. I wonder if that's uh, why he got along so well with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, kind of answering my own question there, aren't I? Well... Uh, oh, this is a story that I wanted to make sure – I guess I have another one <laughs> that uh, Mary Flynn O'Neill keyed me into over the weekend. Um, we have the death penalty down here in Florida. It's recently returned, and it looks like the first case that we're going to get a chance to use it on uh, is going to be on a sexual predator he might be the first to receive this brand new death penalty that's been activated under Ron DeSantis. Uh, A Florida prosecutor is using the case of a man indicted for sex crimes involving children to test out whether or not Florida's new law that allows child rapists to be executed will be successful. Uh, This was just announced on Friday. State attorney William Gladson said a grand jury had indicted Joseph Andrew Giampa on six counts of sexual battery of a person under 12 years of age and three counts, of promoting a sexual performance of a child. So in some fashion, he was producing child pornography as well. Given the severity of the crime and its impact on the community, the Fifth Judicial Circuit State Attorney's Office has filed a notice that it intends to seek the death penalty. I hope they kill this guy and put it on TV. The office explained the decision, saying, the decision to pursue the highest penalty reflects the gravity of the charges and the state attorney's office dedication to holding criminals accountable for their actions. This is a wonderful thing, guys, because if people are found to be guilty of this type of behavior down here in Florida, uh, that should clue you into the fact that all of these Washington, D.C. pedophile elites, if they ever committed these crimes down here in Florida, they can be tried in Florida and they can be put to death for it here in Florida. So Giampa has a record that includes a conviction for the use or threat of violence against someone. The victim in this case is particularly vulnerable because they're so young. And the actions he took in this case are especially heinous, uh, cruel, atrocious. And, of course, because he was producing child pornography, monetary gain uh, was a reason for the crimes he was committing. Uh, A Lake County Sheriff's Office affidavit said that video – Showed a child forced to perform a sex act and being forced to have sex. So I can't think of it happening to a nicer guy. And again, I hope they put it on TV. Uh, I hope that they broadcast it live. All right. <clears throat> uh, okay. So you guys were pretty much at the end of the show. Um I just thought this was interesting. Kash Patel commenting on uh, the renewal of FISA. Seems like he's got the same opinion of it as I do. Yes, FISA has been probably used to get information and evidence on some of these deep state actors that we're hoping to take down. But that doesn't mean that it needed to continue unabated in its current form where it's currently being used to spy without a warrant on American citizens. It's a violation of our Fourth Amendment rights. It's a violation of the Constitution. And Kash uh, Patel is saying that the Republican majority has disappointed the people of this country, as I believe they have as well. FISA can be a tool that's undoubtedly used to keep America and Americans safe. But the way it's being abused leaves it open for continued abuse. And as long as the Republicans in Congress continue to vote along with the Democrats in the deep state, well, we have no reason to believe that they're going to be doing much of anything to help us either. Uh, Brainstrain again says, it's so fun to hear your comments and then to find myself laughing out loud. (laughs) Merry Christmas and God bless. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, Let's see. Exit all works out exit all works out in the end uh, i gotta catch the end great sunlight as always zach uh, thank you thank you very much yeah beyond disappointed betrayed absolutely betrayed you know um i think it was was it thomas massey who made the comment last week you know about what the fbi does is they take each and every one of those congressmen they they bring them into a skiff and they present them evidence to suggest that if you don't renew FISA, then these sorts of terrorist actions are, are going to kill american people you know, I mean, and a lot of those people are just normies, OK? Like, they don't know. They don't fully understand just how corrupt the FBI is. Or maybe they do and and they're thinking like, ah, you know, the, the FBI is now going to use this against me if I don't vote for it. We need people of ethical standards to be holding public office. People like J.R. Majewski, people who are not going to be afraid to go up against the FBI, people who understand what it means to have a constitution and a bill of rights. You know what? Before we go, guys, I have to talk about this. Uh, Just brief update on the crimes of the Biden family. Uh, It turns out Ashley Biden, Hunter Biden's sister, owes uh, about $5,000 in income taxes. That's not so bad, but it goes back to 2015. It shows a pattern of behavior suggesting that the Biden crime family believes themselves to be above the law, that they don't have to follow the same laws that we do. Now, if Ashley Biden pays her taxes, well... In that case, you know, she should be off the hook. But is she going to be forced to pay penalties as you or I would? Uh, I think that as long as Joe Biden is sitting in the White House, the answer is probably no. But more than anything, it shows a pattern of behavior on behalf of the Biden family. We also learned over the weekend of a 2007 FBI investigation that had previously been kept quiet. There is apparently a tape recording where a Biden family member is heard on the tapes discussing some sorts of activities. Uh, in these recordings, FBI investigators were able to get some members of the Biden household on tape. And it shows James Biden deal making along with FBI informants. And it's uh, unrelated to the current bribery probe. I wonder if they have the actual audio from it. Yes, we do. Let's take a listen. James Biden, who would not have a career If it wasn't for his big bro. And I told him that we had formalized our relationship with you guys, told him about the real Washington presence, that this was not going to be, you know, a bullsh**, you know, shingle hung somewhere in a window, that this was a real deal, that Sarah was coming on, you know, as a a named partner, uh, equity share in the venture, that we were changing the name of the firm to include her, told her that, you know, Hunter was going to be involved, you were going to be involved you know my hesitancy to be a to to be a you know uh you know an opportunist and yeah, sure. everybody is jumping on him
1: right, okay sure. there's
0: nothing wrong with opportunist Sarah just rolled her eyes at me
1: <laughs> so
0: but to being a whore about it okay yeah, you know like yeah. everybody's just jumping in like let me do your insurance let me do your l- legal well of course I mean, once again, the Biden family name was the product. If it wasn't for the fact that Joe Biden had been in public service for 40 years at this time, if he hadn't joined the White House and became the vice president under Barack Obama or if he hadn't ran for president in 2020, then the Biden family would have nothing to sell. It also turns out we have an update on that $1 million that Chinese business partners of Hunter Biden, Patrick Ho, wired to him in 2017. This was actually part of another investigation that had previously not been mentioned by the corrupt DOJ or FBI. Once again, they were protecting the Biden crime family. Remember, back in 2017, the FBI had raided the offices and intercepted the communications of Patrick Ho. He was that CEFC Chinese spy chief, a Chinese national who was suspected of espionage, who also just happened to be a business partner of Hunter and Joe's slimy brother, Jim, the man we just heard on that tape. Patrick was put on trial. He was found guilty of bribing government officials around the world to advance the interests of the Chinese Communist Party. So the Justice Department in that trial hid... Hunter Biden and Jim Biden's involvement with Patrick Ho. And they even redacted Hunter Biden's name from a number of uh, pieces of evidence that were entered into the case. And then, of course, if we go back to October of 2020, when the Gateway Pundit and many other alternative media journalists and citizen journalists were reporting on the crimes of the Biden family, uh, it was revealed that Hunter Biden had these connections to Patrick Ho and that Patrick Ho had made these very specific payments. We got that tranche of emails Coming from Hunter Biden's laptop and Ho had been charged with money laundering in connection with the CEFC contracts dating to Africa in 2017. And Hunter is heard describing Patrick Ho as his business partner and the effing spy chief of China. Uh, earlier this month, Hunter got hit with that nine-count indictment, uh, and in that indictment, it details a four-year scheme to avoid the $1.4-plus million tax obligations he owed between 2016 and 2019 when he filed fake tax returns. Still, the feds have not indicted Hunter on the Foreign Agent Registration Act charges. They haven't indicted him on bribery charges. They haven't even really looked into the millions of dollars he received from China and Romania and Russia and Mexico and Kazakhstan, any of these countries where Hunter Biden was doing business while his father Was vice president. Now, per investigative reporter Paul Sperry, the $1 million Hunter Biden Chinese partner Patrick Ho wired him in 2017 has been the subject of a separate bribery investigation. Federal law enforcement sources say so. That means that if an ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden getting bribed by a Chinese Communist Party official, the spy chief of chief of effing China, Hunter Biden may be at risk of receiving additional charges. Now, if they actually charge him with bribery, that's going to be a different game altogether. If that happens under special counsel David Weiss, my goodness, it's going to be explosive. Uh, Now, Hunter is not licensed to practice law in New York, so he could not have been representing Patrick Ho in New York. He couldn't. He could not have been. He could not have been Patrick Ho's lawyer in New York in any fashion. He couldn't give him advice. He couldn't do anything. Couldn't show up in court. Couldn't file for anything. But it gets worse. Joe Biden, as we all know, was using Air Force Two as a corporate jet for his son to go to all of these foreign countries to set up business arrangements, selling the Biden family name. We've known this for a long time, but it's now being stated on the record by the House Ways and Means Committee. Uh, and every single day, it's a brand new revelation for the American people who have not been paying attention, who maybe turned off their brains when they saw that letter coming from former and current CIA and intelligence community officials suggesting that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Now, the New York Times has just had to make a correction on an article about Hunter Biden after it was revealed that the article uh, needed that correction. So this article about Hunter Biden, their correction says an early version of this article misquoted Hunter Biden. He said, my father was not financially involved in my business. Not my father was not involved in my business. Now, we actually honed in on this quote last week when Hunter Biden, instead of testifying in Congress under oath in a closed-door session, held a press conference on Capitol Hill that his father knew about that uh, that uh, um, Eric Swalwell arranged, and he said very specifically, my father was not financially involved in my business. Not my father was not involved. The New York Times was trying to cover for Hunter Biden by producing that quote in that letter. It just goes to show you how deeply entrenched all of these things are. But what is really really interesting to me is that the American people picked up on it and they called the New York Times out. These people can't lie anymore. They are physically and mentally unable. They are bereft of ethics, they are they are bankrupt at the heart of it in so many different ways. And uh, they simply just can't get away with it anymore. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, Serter says, uh, Zach, Joe should be pimp of the year. He has so many hoes. Didn't he write that famous poem, a bitch better have my money? You know, I don't know. Somebody wrote it, but I don't know if it was Joe. Uh, let me say thank you to uh, Thick Ray, who says, yes, there are always good things left in the world. Filter Dog one said, do you survive on energy drinks? I drink two energy drinks a day uh, and I eat probably three, maybe sometimes four times a day. Um, but my meals are, uh, are, are from a meal plan. So like I don't allow myself to eat any more than that because otherwise uh, I would just gain weight like nothing. Um, I also don't eat fast food. Lisa and I got pizza last night, but I have a rule. Uh, you know, I don't get fast food because it tastes too good. It's not good for you and it's generally full of calories that uh, are not. Non-nutritious. Uh, let's see. Uh, who cares? It says uh, high five, Zach. Uh, expect the fourteen-three try. Expect the fourteen-three tries again before November. As right now, they are all being told about the primary. Um, oh, oh, oh! The Fourteenth Amendment. Oh, yeah. No, th- these. It's ongoing in a number of different uh, states still, and of course, in every single state where it's already been decided, that same group of people is going to appeal. That decision. But again, just like President Trump's New York case, this is going to end up going to the Supreme Court. What's interesting is that uh, Democrats are currently trying to get Clarence Thomas uh, to recuse himself from anything having to do with President Trump because his wife posted some where we go, one, we go, all memes or something like that. Freaking ridiculous. I don't think it's going to work. Uh, who cares? Thank you again. Boise Blanc, thank you very much for that cookie. Willie it? and Ohio Kimmy, thank you for the cookies. Asquatch says, not cool for turd burglary at the halls of Congress or Burger King while on the job. No, neither place. Doesn't matter where you're at. You cannot be having sex at work when you're supposed to be working. You shouldn't be having sex at work regardless, even if it's time off. Uh, Pequest, thank you for the cookie. Twelve Fruits says, sick of cookies after baking all day, but here is a can. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Marge, tell them large Marge sent you. Thank you for the cookie. And then who cares says, and then there is the drunk that rammed the Biden motorcade. Yeah, this guy right here, I was actually, that's the next story I had pulled up. And uh, I was just going to say, talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. This guy was probably thinking, man, I am home free. Nobody is going to bother me. I'm going to make it back to my driveway and I'm just going to go to bed. But it really should be a cautious tale to anyone. Do not drink and drive. And certainly do not drink and drive and smash your Chrysler into the presidential motorcade. This man has been charged with a DUI. Do, have they released his name? Because I know that it seemed like they were trying not to release his name. Yes, 46-year-old James Cooper, the sitting president, who <laughs> was put in danger because an idiot with too much alcohol in his system decided to get behind the wheel of a car. Unbelievably, Cooper was released from custody last night beside, be, despite being involved in an incident that could have killed the current White House occupant. He has been issued a summons to appear in court at a later date. Does that seem normal to you guys? Does that uh, – it, it, can you imagine any other world? Let's say like there was a white college student who smashes his car drunk into the presidential motorcade and they let him go without bail. Uh, they don't hold him all night and wait for a magistrate to show up on Monday morning. Mm, I don't think that happens. Um, I, I, like I said, they, they were trying not to show who this guy was. They were trying not to publish his name. But anyways, thank God for citizen journalists out there everywhere. All right, you guys. Um, final thank yous. Thank you so much to Porpoiseful, who dropped a cookie, and then Patriot Donnie said dropped a ship. Thanks, bro. He says, "I uh, hope you saw the clip I made for you when you spilled your drink. I called it Red Spill 70. 70- yes, I saw. I th- this was a couple months ago. I, I saw you. I saw you, and I shared it as well. That's great. <laughs> thank you, Donnie. Appreciate you, buddy, and uh, appreciate all of you, you guys. Uh, I'll be back tonight. Uh, on Baseless Conspiracies. John and I are continuing our conversation uh, about uh, the phenomena of people reporting past lives. Uh, we are actually going to be taking your calls. A lot of people reached out and said that they had experiences with this stuff, memories, things that they couldn't explain, and so we just want to hear about it. And uh, if you've got any cool stories and you want to tell us that go in line with this subject, then please be ready to uh, meet me over there in uh, Badlands Media 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on till tomorrow at 5pm eastern if i don't see you tonight i hope i see you then good luck god bless here come the gold pills